This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Thank you, team. You guys can be seated. I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. My name is Jonathan, and um, I get the opportunity to share the message with you guys today. And before we do that, um, I want to just, let's give honor to Pastor Ron and Brenda. They um, provide so much great leadership to this church. Can we just put our hands together for them real quick? Thank you, guys. You know, one thing that I think is important is that, um, you know, leading this year has been really difficult. And, um, you know, having, having grace and understanding for our leaders, for Pastor Ron, the, the weight that's on his shoulders, and also just other leaders that, that we have, you know, whether it's um, our teachers or the, the school board or local government, um, extending grace and understanding to them as they lead through um, some really difficult times, right? And so thank you, Pastor. I think, I hope he's watching right now. Thank you for the leadership that, that you've given to this church this year. Um, couple of things that, um, before we get started, uh, my message this morning, it's, it's titled, um, I Don't Belong Here. And have you guys ever been somewhere where you don't belong? Um, you know, there's like the classic, like you walk into the wrong public restroom, you know, and you, you kind of like walk in and you know, like something's not right. Like, I just can't figure out what it is, you know, and maybe, maybe you notice right away, like, oh, there's no urinals. I got to get out of here. Or like, um, or maybe like you, you go and do your business and, and you don't even realize it until you like come out to wash your hands and you're like, oh gosh, there's women in here. You know, like I don't belong here, right? Um, one of those examples for me, maybe you guys have been here. Anyone ever been to Hobby Lobby? <laughs> so when I, when I was dating my wife, we were young and in love, you know, we still are. Um, but I remember the first time, remember the first time she took me to Hobby Lobby and we were out shopping, and I was like, this is going to be fun, you know, and walk into Hobby Lobby, and it was just going to be a quick trip. There's no quick trip to Hobby Lobby, first of all. It's not a thing, and there's no, like, we're not just getting a couple things. Like, it's a lot of things. Like, get out alone, you know, and, but you just walk in, and as a man, you're just like, I, I don't belong here. <laughs> you know, anyone relate? Like, is it, you guys been there? <laughs> One more, one more example. In high school, my senior year, I decided to run track. It was like the end of my senior year. I was pretty much done with school, and I was like, I'm going to run track. This will be fun. Just hang out with my, one of my best friends ran track, and it was just going to be a social thing. And we go through the first couple practices, and my coach was like confused because I was keeping up with my friend who was he was all state all four years of high school. And my coach was like, Jeff, stop being nice to Jonathan. Like, you're, you're being nice to him. I know he's your friend and all, but you know, you're not, he's not supposed to be able to keep up with you. And I was, and eventually I ended up making um, one of our relays and our relay team made it to the state finals. I was the weakest leg on our relay team, but I was on the team and we made it to the state finals. And um, the, the state finals for track is everybody, like all divisions, everyone's there. And so I get there and I'm like thinking I'm hot stuff, you know, like I'm in the state finals. This is so cool. And I start looking around and it's like filled with like soon to be division 
one athletes, you know? Like, they're doing backflips while they're waiting, and I'm like, I don't belong here. Like, I am not this athletic. And so, you know, we've all had these moments where we don't belong, and that's really the title of my message today, and it's ironic because one of the things we say about life change is that this is a place to belong, um, and I believe that this church is a place to belong. We're family, but we don't belong to this world. We don't belong to the systems of this world. We are in exile. That's what I want to talk about today. We are exiles. Um, I think it's your first point. We're exiles living in a foreign land. Our, re- our residence is heavenly before any allegiance to this world, right? And so we might live in Muskegon. We live in West Michigan. We're residents of Michigan. We're residents, citizens of the United States. But before any of that, when we pledge our life to Christ, we are citizens of heaven first. That is where our allegiance is. And so everything that comes after that, we are exiles. We are going to experience things. We're going to have moments where we just realize, I don't belong here. This isn't the place that I belong. Heaven is my home, right? And um, I love in First Peter, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Peter addresses um, the start of his letter. He says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. They're living as foreigners. And I think if 2020 has revealed anything to us is we realize more and more how much we don't belong here, right? Like just everything goes against what we feel is, is normal or what God's values are. And we're like, I, I don't belong on this earth. What is going on? All the decisions that are being made, they, they don't line up with my beliefs anymore. What's happening? I feel like I'm losing some of my freedoms. What's, what's happening? I don't belong here. And so today we're going to talk about some really, um, I think, difficult things. I sent my message to my dad earlier in the week and he just responded with, looks good. You picked a really hard topic to talk about. So um, <laughs> I'm just praying for, for the right words as we, as we share this morning. Um, living in, in exile, what does that mean? Um, we think about the issues that we have faced in 2020 from COVID-19 to racial issues to, um, I think there was an election a couple months ago. Um, did that happen? Yeah. Um, man, just so many things. And how do we, how do we balance this tension, right, of um, of being responsible citizens, you know, like we have a couple choices. We can just like revolt and like, we're gonna stick it to the system. You know, we're gonna show them that this is God's way or, or we can conform, you know, and just kind of start to blend in. Man, I've had people look at me like I lost my salvation because I still watch the NFL. Don't tell anyone, you know, I, I like fantasy football. Um, but, but for real, like that's what 2020 has come to. It's either you revolt or you conform. There's two sides. And we're going to talk today about a third option. And so if you're following along in your Bible, um, I want you to open to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to spend most of our time in Daniel chapter 3 today. And I want to set the backstory for this um, as we get going. What was happening during those times? And so if you remember what Pastor Ron has been talking about with the tabernacle, we are now after the tabernacle. This is years after the tabernacle was um, in place in Daniel chapter 3. And um, Babylon, 587 BC, Babylon had just attacked the city of Jerusalem. And a year later, they um, completely plundered the city. They took its temple. They took everything in it. And they began to take captive the Israelites who were living in Jerusalem. Okay? and they took them into exile in Babylon. And what's interesting about this, this is going to really set up some of the things that we talk about, is why? Why was Israel attacked? Like, these are God's chosen people. Why would God have taken his hand seemingly off God's chosen people and allowed any of this to happen? 
Have you, I mean, have you guys ever wondered that? Why, why did this happen? Well, um, Jeremiah um, provides some really interesting insight as to why that happened. Um, they were unfaithful to God, and God gave them warning after warning after warning after warning. And I wasn't, this wasn't originally in my notes, so it's not in your study guide or anything, but Jeremiah chapter 7 says this, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, even now if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. But I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans, and widows. Only if you stop your murdering, and only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land I gave to your ancestors to keep forever." So Jeremiah, the, the beginning part of Jeremiah, and, and the Old Testament can be confusing because it's not chronological, so it can be hard to put together the timeline of events. So Jeremiah and Daniel really go together. It's, it's at the same time. So Jeremiah offers this warning to the Israelites and says, guys, we have to stop worshiping these idols. He even be, develops this metaphor um, saying that they've been unfaithful like a prostitute to God, Right? And he tells them to, to repent from the ways to stop worshiping idols. And so one of the things we're going to talk about today is that idol worship. Um, as I was getting ready for the message this week, I was talking to my wife about it. And we were, I think we were texting. I was at the office and she was at home and talking about idols. And I told her, I was like, you know, I, I'm getting this sense as I'm studying for this message that what 2020 has revealed is the false idols that we have bowed down and worshipped for so long as a country. And um, one thing that I want to challenge you guys with this morning is that, that when, as I speak this message, that you would take inventory of your own life. This message isn't for your wife or your husband. It's not for your kids. It's for you. And even as I've been preparing, I've been looking at my own life and my own heart and the things in my life that I feel like need to change. And so Israel is in exile. They were worshiping idols. They're taken in and they are integrated into the Babylonian way of life. And what we find um, in the book of Daniel are four characters, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're taken captive and they were very smart, very wise. And so they were quickly moved up the ranks in the Babylonian culture. And so they, they were literally becoming part of Babylon. And some of us might look at that and be like, have they given up their ways? Have they stopped being loyal to God? And in Daniel, we find a series of stories where, where no, it's actually the opposite. They reject the idols that the Babylonian culture is worshiping and say, our loyalty remains with God only. But in other ways, they, they take on um, Babylonian names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are Babylonian names. Those weren't their given names. They even began to um, wear um, Babylonian clothing. And so they are, they're literally integrating into the culture. They become a part of and serve in the palace in Babylon, right? And so this is, this is all really confusing um, to think about. And what we see come from this is a third way. Like I said, it seems like there's two ways in 2020. Either you revolt and we're sticking it to the man and we're going to stand up for what we believe or, or we're conforming and, and we think that we're almost losing our faith because of the way we become part of our culture. And that the third way is what Daniel begins to describe in Daniel chapter 3. 
Um, So we're going to pick up Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Let's just put that in perspective a second. Um, The new Mercy Health Hospital. You guys drive by that um, on Sherman that is a 10-story building, so they don't, I don't, couldn't find the exact measurements, but that's a little over 100 feet, um, maybe 107, 110 feet, somewhere in there. So a 90-foot-tall golden statue was almost as tall as the Mercy Health Building off Sherman. 90 feet tall, right? This is huge, 9 feet wide. So it's really not like a building, it's, it's more like a pillar. Now, can you imagine, like, if I had come in here this morning and just wheeled, you know, this like 90 foot statue in and like, guys, we're going to worship this. Like, look at this. This is awesome, right? Like no one would do that. No one would bow down and worship that. That's, that's just ridiculous. So King Nebuchadnezzar made this 90 feet tall, 90 feet wide and set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, the officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come and demonstrate of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harps, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace." So the sound of the musical instruments began to play and all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed them on the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued this decree um, declaring that people would bow down. The decree also states that those who refuse must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, and they pay no attention to your, you or your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. So this morning, as we kind of begin to set the groundwork for this message, um, we were created to be worshipers. We're created that way. That's what God has put in us, to be worshipers. We all worship something. I believe even people outside of religion worship something. We all, that's just how God wired us as human beings. We worship something. So um, whether we realize it or not, it's something we all do. Worship is simply this. It's the expression of reverence, adoration, or devotion to an object, person, or deity. We all worship something. And this is where, you guys, the message is really going to start to get personal. Because what we saw in Daniel, and what we saw Jeremiah warn about was that they were worshiping things other than the true God, right? They were worshiping idols. And like I said, if I had wheeled in a 90-foot-tall, 9-foot-wide golden statue, no one would bow down and worship that. You'd look at me like I was crazy. But yet, my challenge to us today is that I think we all have idols in our life that we've been worshiping, and I think that if 2020 has revealed to us anything it's that we've been worshiping false idols for a long time. I mean, just think about it. In a matter of days, everything that we found value in, everything that we found um, security in was just taken away from us. We lost our jobs. Many of us saw our savings account dwindle. We lost um, our sense of security, our sense of safety 
in our health and our healthcare system. We lost whatever trust we had left for our government and the authorities that rule over this country. It was all gone. We lost our entertainment, sports. It was all gone. And my challenge to you guys today is that maybe those things were false idols that we've been worshiping for far too long. And, you know, maybe that's hard for you to hear and like, no, I don't, I don't worship that. Well, we're thinking of worship the wrong way. When we think of worship, we think raising our hands and singing a song, maybe playing a guitar, but worship is not that. It's simply what I said. It's the expression of reverence, adoration, and devotion. That is worship. Um, I love, um, I, I read this this week, um, Tim Keller, he wrote this book called Counterfeit Gods, and he talks about idolatry. And I just want to read a few of the things that, that he shared. An idol is something that we cannot live without. We must have it. They drive us to break the rules. And once we honor them to harm others, even ourselves, in order to get it. Anything in life can serve as an idol or counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life. An idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything that you seek to give you what only God can give, anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. I think what is important to point out, you guys, is that um, idols aren't necessarily inherently bad. You know, if I wheeled in, like I said, an idol, if I wheeled in a golden calf or whatever, no one would worship that because it's obvious, you know? But I've got, I'm gonna go grab this. I'm sorry to the camera guys over here. Um, I've got this box. Um, It's a brand new iPhone. And if I said the first person that could get up here can have this brand new iPhone 11, man, you guys would be jumping out of your seats, right? to come and get this? Or, or what if I like, what if I had a gift card in my back pocket? It was a $250 shopping spree to TJ Maxx. Like, oh man, look out. You know, like we would all be going after that. They're idols. Anything that we place over the value that we place on God is an idol. It's an idol, you guys. <laughs> and the, the, the further that I study into this and, and then begin to see the parallels with our culture and the the day that we're living in, the more that my heart just breaks because we've been offering our adoration and devotion for all of the wrong things. All of the wrong things. And I'm I'm not saying that God sent 2020 as a punishment. You know, I I don't know that. That's not my place to get up here and try and say that. But what I can say is when I examine my own life, when I remember back in March, um, when, when the first NBA game was canceled. And I was just like, what is happening? You know, and then all of a sudden, all of them were gone. Like March Madness, gone. NHL Finals, gone, which was fine because the Red Wings are terrible. Um, <laughs> everything was just gone. And I'm like, where are my sports? What am I going to do? I was watching hockey games from 1997, like, because I just had to get my fix, you know? And, but then it, like, does that reveal something about my heart? Does that reveal something about the things that I found security in, the things that I found value in, that maybe I was, and then all of a sudden the stores start closing. I remember seeing posts like, what am I going to do without my TJ Maxx shopping spree? I don't know. You know, like these are real things. You guys have seen these, right? And I can't believe what so-and-so did. I can't believe what, what happened. And all of our false idols began to be revealed. We might not have seen it that way, but that is what was happening. 
Whether we admit it or not, we live in a culture that's filled with with false idols that try to take the place of God. Here's a few of them. Um, Money or or the security that we find in money. Sex. Sex is an idol. Many people idolize sex and sexual relationships. Um, Power or position is a huge false idol. And this is really the idol that we see revealed through the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Babylon idolized power. They were, um, King Nebuchadnezzar found pride in the fact that he was the most powerful man leading the most powerful country in all the world. It's an idol. Our career, our family, politics, culture, sports, music, our way of life, ideals, norms, cultural practices, hobbies, hunting and fishing, the gym, fitness, materialism, I pulled out my phone, you know, these things that we find all of this security in cars, shopping, tools, clothes. If I just have that item, I will feel value or feel significant. Our feelings and our emotions even become idols. We begin to worship them because we place them at a place that is higher than God in our life. And the truth of the matter, you guys, in the place that my heart and prayer, and I know the elders and Pastor Ron, this is what Pastor Ron's whole message has been about for the last 13 weeks, the longest message series I've ever heard, um, 13 weeks, is that God alone is worthy of our adoration and devotion and reverence. None of these things matter. None of them matter and, and, you know, we might say, but Jonathan, I love to watch sports. I love to go shopping. I'm not saying those are bad things. I think that we are still allowed to enjoy those things. But when they begin to elevate themselves as more powerful than God, then we've got our priorities out of alignment, church. We've got some things that we need to fix, right? I'm not saying we can't enjoy those things. We can, we can do that, but our priorities are out of alignment. And I, this weekend, I, I began to hear God whispering in my heart. He said, Jonathan, what if we worshiped God the same way that we worship our idols? What if we worship God the same way we worship our idols? What if we researched and sought after God the way we researched and sought after our next car that we wanted to buy? What if we spent time, spent the time that we were binge-watching Netflix, soaking in God's presence? Like, just take, take an um, account of your life right now, church. What if we chased after the, God the way that we chase after that next big buck or the fish that are out in, the, in Lake Michigan? What if we invested in God's kingdom the way that we invest in our hobbies or our retirement? What if we spend as much time praying as we spend watching sports? I, I think... Are the Lions playing today? I don't even care anymore. (laughs) They're terrible too. You know, what if we spent that four hours of misery just, you know, chasing after God again today? What if we spend as much time worshiping as we do listening to music or going to, to live concerts? What if we talked to others about God as much as we talk about others? Ouch. What if we made sacrifices for God the way we make sacrifices for our job or our family, or our kids. See, we're doing all of these things. We are worshiping, but we're worshiping the wrong things. We're worshiping the wrong things, church. I can't tell you how many times, and maybe you've said this, I've said this, we've all said this, that I just wish I had more time for God. I wish I had more that I could give, but yet we can binge watch a Netflix show for the entire weekend, you know, Or we can spend um, eight hours of our day on Saturday watching college football. I wish I had more time for God. You do. You're spending it somewhere else. I wish I had more to give to God. You do. 
You're buying Starbucks or Aldea for me. You know, you're, you're doing all these things. We do. Our worship is misappropriated on the wrong things. I'm going to jump back in. Um, so King Nebuchadnezzar, when he found out about this, he was furious, right? And he ordered to have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego brought before him, and he offered them one more chance to bow down and worship before throwing them into the blazing furnace. And so we're going to pick up in verse 16, and these are some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. And there's a couple things that I notice in here. Um, First of all, like I said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they maintain this balance of of being um, almost submissive to their authority, of showing respect and honor. You notice that they call him your majesty? They spoke well of King Nebuchadnezzar, even though that he was following the wrong things, they still spoke to him with the position and the power that he had, the the honor that he deserved because of his position. This is important, you guys, as we begin to enter into a season where maybe we don't all agree with the political candidates that are stepping into power, that we still offer them the respect that they deserve. This is important. We don't don't talk poorly about political candidates. We don't talk poorly about our governor. That doesn't mean that we agree with the things that she says or that, that she does, but we talk to them or talk about them with respect and honor. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And then what we see, and I love this, they say that our God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. And so they're stepping into this unknown territory where they put their faith out there and they're saying, God, we know, we hope you come through. You know, we're stepping out in faith. I hope there's something here, right? But they said, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship. And this, you guys, is a true test of faith. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. We're going to be stepping into some times that are uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen, and we are going to have to pick and choose the places where we are submissive to authority, we're submissive to the culture that we're a part of. Maybe it's our boss, maybe it's our coworkers, I don't know, maybe it's our family, maybe it's the the local government or the national government. We're going to have to step into those places, but then we're also going to have to say, these are the false idols that I see that we're worshiping, and I'm not going to bow down to that because I only bow down to Jesus, right? And we have to balance this tension, and it's not easy. I'm not here to tell you that this tension is easy. It's hard. And the only way that we can do this is, one, having faith and understanding that, that sometimes it might not go the way that we believe. Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They just say this, and they're kind of like, I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth, you know? Like, we're going to die, <laughs> you know? Like, that's probably what they're thinking. And so they're being led to, to the fiery furnace, and they're going, and they can feel the heat. The Bible says, um, I'm not going to read this part for time, but that King Nebuchadnezzar was so mad that he had the furnace heated seven times hotter than what it normally was, so hot that the guards that led them there were killed because it was so hot, right? 
And can you imagine what's going through their minds as they're making this journey? Like, God, um, you know, a, a holy rain would be great right now. Like, just put out the flames, you know? Or um, maybe the, the, the shackles will just fall off and we can run away. You know, like they're waiting, like, all right, God, here's plan A and B and C and D. And like, they're getting closer and closer. And God, you're, you're still not moving to the point where they're getting thrown into the furnace. There's gonna be moments, church, where we're thrown into trials and tribulations that test our faith, but a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. First Peter, and First Peter is going to kind of be a parallel um, the rest of the way here. First Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, be truly glad there's wonderful joy ahead. Even though we must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We're going to go through trials. We're going to have moments where we think that God's going to take us around the fiery furnace and God takes us through the fiery furnace, right? And will your loyalty to Christ remain the same when the fires and the trials of life rage against us? A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. So we jump back in and I kind of shared, we're going to jump back in verse 26 to the story. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire and then the high officers, officials, and governors. So they they were thrown into the furnace. Um, I, I jumped ahead of myself here. They were thrown into the furnace. The guards were killed. And then something amazing happened from a distance. They could see that there were not just three men in the fire anymore. They were actually four. And one of them looked like an angel. And King Nebuchadnezzar saw this and he says, guys, there's someone else in there. Like, we got to go get them, go see what happened. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego step out of the fire and the high priest, officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Man, have you guys sat around a campfire? Like, this is like the Michigan thing to do, Right. Man, you can't even like just stop in and say hi real quick without smelling like smoke, right? These guys were in the fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree of any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Isn't that powerful, church? Isn't that powerful? When we take our stand for our faith and show our loyalty to God, the world around us will take notice. And this is what I love about this story is that they, they, they stood their ground. They said, we are not going to bow down to the idols and worship the things of this world. And because of that, the people around them took notice and offered their praise to God instead. Isn't that amazing? So how do we, this is kind of where we're, we're going to land, and I've got three things. So how do we in 2020, almost 2021, follow the lead of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stand firm in a culture that seems to be moving further and further away from God? How do we balance this tension? 
You know, because like I said, there's, there's one side that says revolt and stand against and, and show the man who's boss, you know, we're not going to stand for this. And then there's the other side that's conform and, and you look so much like the world that we don't even know that you're a Christian anymore. You know, we, we've probably seen both sides of that very often. How do we balance that tension? And I'm not here to tell you that this is going to be easy. And there's no, I wish it was like explicit in the Bible where it said like, thou shalt worship in person and not online. That'd make it so easy, but it doesn't say that, right? It doesn't say thou shalt wear a mask because the governor says to. It doesn't say that. It doesn't offer this advice. And so are these things bowing down to idols? I, I don't think so, you know? But, but what can we look at internally in our life? And look at ourselves and say, what are the idols that I have in my life? What are the things that I've been worshiping? The things that culture has raised the value on, raised the importance of, and that I've been offering my worship, my praise to those things. And so three things that we can do as we kind of look at the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the example that they offer to us. First of all, as followers of God, we're first called to be loyal to him. Exodus um, chapter 20, and this is where pastor's been reading from a lot lately. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourselves an idol of any kind or image of anything in heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So number one, our loyalty is with Christ alone, right? That, that comes, that sets the bar above anything else. This is where our loyalty is before anything else. Um, but, but then on the flip side, like I said earlier, I'm not telling you that watching an NFL game <laughs> makes you, you know, a sinner, you know, or that if you enjoy music, that, that you're going to hell, or if you like to go shopping at TJ Maxx, that you're doomed. You know, that's what I'm saying. But in Colossians, it says this, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. So are the things that we're doing done in the name and in the glory of Christ? This is how we can reconcile this, this tension here, is that, you know, we, we can't just do away with everything. I, I mean, we could. But if we're doing them in the name of, of Christ, then we can. I can still enjoy my hobbies to the glory of God. I can still um, enjoy the things of this world to the glory of God, right? But it's a tension. We have to constantly be taking inventory of our life to see, God, do I have anything out of order? Do I have something that is in the, in the wrong priority level in my life right now? And if I do, God, will you please take this thing from me? It'd be better off to just, you know, get rid of this iPhone. It's empty. It's empty. <laughs> would, it, would it just be better off to get rid of it than to keep offering my worship to it, you know? Number two, and this, <laughs> this is a tough one, you guys. Second to our loyalty to God, we should be submissive to authority. First Peter chapter two, and I, I kind of shared this parallel with Daniel and first Peter. It says, for the Lord's sake, I think that's interesting, for the Lord's sake, Submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that, you will, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. You guys ever felt that? Foolish accusations against you? It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those people 
For you are free, yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. This is tough, isn't it? As we begin to see more and more things go against what we feel like would be our way, you know, how do we balance this tension? How do I honor authority when I just really don't agree with the decisions that they're making? And I'm not going to stand up here and try to give you the answer because, to be honest, I don't really have the answer. Like, where do we draw the line? I I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows, right? But I do know what God's word says. And it says, honor all human authority because this is God's will for your life. Live honorable lives so that no one could have a foolish accusation against you. And this, um, that's really difficult, isn't it? really difficult right now. And the only way that we can navigate through this and know when is the right time to be a part of culture, be a part of society, and when, when is the right time to stand firm and say, no, I'm not bowing down to that. The only way we can know, and this is what Pastor Ron has been trying to get us to see, is that we have to be in an intimate place with God, because only he can show us that. He's the only one that can show us that. He is the only one that can say, this is where you stand firm. This is where you don't bow down to the idols of this world, right? No, no one else can do that. I can't do that for you. And honestly, it's different person to person. You know, I know people in this church that have made personal decisions why they're watching online this morning. And I respect those decisions because of their business or because of the place they work. Um, is that bowing down to an idol? That's not my place to decide that. That's why I said this morning that this message is for you. It's not for the person sitting next to you. It's not for your family at home. It's for you to take inventory of your life. We have to make those decisions. We have to look at the idols that we're bowing down to on a personal level, right? We can look at the examples that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there were moments they were submissive and they sought the, even sought the well-being. They were serving in the palace, but they refused to allow their support to lead them to a place where they worshiped the idols that Babylon had set up. And so it's that tension of submitting to the authority that we're a part of, but then recognizing, nope, this isn't God. This is an idol. I'm not bowing down to this, right? And like I said before, one thing that I love about how they talked about the king even is that even though like the king is telling them to bow down to this idol and they still call him your majesty, They didn't agree with what he was doing. They didn't agree with his decisions, but they still gave him the respect and the honor that his position deserved. Can we do the same thing, church? Can we give the the governing authorities that are over, over us, even though we don't necessarily agree with their decisions, maybe we don't agree with their platforms as they step into power in January, can we give them a respect that they deserve? Because like we read earlier, um, I, I need to read this again it's God's will that your honorable lives, when we so honor the people, then people will see honor in us. It's God's will that our honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Amen. And then number three, I didn't number these, but number three, finally, we're a part of culture so that we can be a witness to the world. So number one, our loyalty is with God. Number two, we're submissive to authority. And number three, we are a part of culture. We're part of culture, right? And so maybe you're like, Jonathan, what do you, what do you mean by this? What, what are you getting at? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they integrated themselves with culture. And what Jeremiah, um, as you read through the prophet of Jeremiah, what he asked them to do was be a part of Babylon, integrate into their culture so that they could be a witness to those people about who God was. And when they stood up against their idols, they became a witness and people gave worship to God because of it, right? And so we, we can't just excuse ourselves from culture. Like, it'd be easy to say, you know what? We're setting up 3084 Whitehall Road, and this is a Christian-only zone, and we could just form this holy huddle in the corner, you know, and, like, no one can come or go. Have you guys ever seen the village like that? Like, just out in the woods, like, you're just out there. No one can come or go. Like, we could do that. That's an option. But then how are we being God's, God's people to the world? How are we bringing the message of the gospel and the the love and the life that he offers us to the people around us? We're not. So we've got to throw that one out. No holy huddles, right? Um, So what it says, 1 Corinthians 9, um, when I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. So so here's another tension. We're going to jump back to 1 Peter. It says, 1 Peter 2, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents, again, you hear these exiles, right? Temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So again, we see this tension of we're a part of culture, we're a part of the world, but we have to balance this tension of we can't just excuse ourselves from the world because we have a mission, right? But we can't look so much like the world that no one even recognizes us as Christians anymore, right? So we're balancing this tension of I'm a part of the world, but I'm an exile. I'm trying to show them Christ, but I don't want to um, begin engaging in their activities. And it's hard. And the only way that we can do this is by what by offering our worship and our adoration and our reverence to Christ alone. Only he can reveal to you in these moments the right thing to do, right? So in closing and team, if you guys want to start getting ready, I think, um, you know, as we start to look ahead to 2021, it's crazy that 2020 is over already. And it seemed to have gone by so fast and so slow at the same time. Um, I've got a couple challenges for you guys today. As we live in this world where we are um, exiles, right? We can agree on that. We are exiles. We are um, citizens of heaven before anything else. And um, we're, we're not meant to be here. And in many ways, we are living in our own Babylon. Just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in Babylon. Babylon is just anything that exalts itself to the place of God. As we're living in our own Babylon, how do we balance this tension of remaining loyal to God, submissive to authority, and a part of culture in a way that honors God above all else, but continues to stay focused on the mission of leading more people to Christ? How do we balance that? And so there's a few things this morning. Um, The first thing is I think probably all of us have idols that we need to lay down this morning at the feet of Jesus. We have things in our life that have exalted themselves to a place that they don't deserve. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a certain feeling or emotion, maybe it's your past, maybe it's hurt that you have in your life, but we all have these idols that we have offered our worship to. We need to lay those down at the feet of Jesus. 
because they don't deserve our worship. God and God alone deserves our place of worship, right? And then I think maybe there's some of us in this room that have struggled with decisions that have been made this year. And, you know, we feel this need to revolt and to, um, you know, to stand up maybe for the wrong things, if I could say it that way. And, and realize that Christ has sent us here for a reason and that you have a purpose and that if it, we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like we still have a reason that we're here and that, that our hearts need to be aligned. And then maybe there's other of us that, that are in the other ditch that we've conformed so much to the point that, that we can't even tell that you're a follower anymore, you know? And that's, that's not my place to judge. That's between you and him alone. But we all have some adjustments that we need to make. And, and that's really life is just making these adjustments, staying intimate with the Lord so that we can continue adjusting ourselves and getting ourselves back on the path that he has for us. Amen. And so um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to take this time to offer worship to God. And, you know, Juan, Juan said it in our, word Juan go? Juan said it in our little huddle before service, um, just reminded of, of a song. How would we worship if, if Jesus walked in this room this morning? How would we worship him? How would we praise him? How would we lay our lives down before him if he were right here with us, among us? Father, um, God, we just thank you for your word, Lord. And God, I pray this morning that, God, that, that the people watching and listening wouldn't have heard my words, Lord, or my opinions, God, but that they would be from you, Lord, and you alone. And God, as we begin to examine our lives, examine our hearts, Lord, and the things that maybe are in the wrong order, maybe we have the wrong priority or importance on certain things, Lord, I pray that you would just touch our hearts. God, help us to balance the tension, God, of, of remaining loyal to God, submissive to authority and a part of culture, God, in a way that continues to lead people to Christ. God, that's why we're here. God, forgive us. I pray that you'd forgive us for worshiping all of the wrong things. God, and as we look back at 2020 and we, as we look ahead to 2021, God, I pray that next year would be different. And God, I understand that maybe our circumstances won't be different, but our heart can be different toward the things that we go through. And God, as our faith continues to be tested, Lord, I pray that our faith would be trusted. God, we worship you. We offer our worship to you alone. We humble ourselves before you, God. your name we pray. Amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.